Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of Some People Call That Jesus. So for this first episode, it'll be part one of a two-part series called The World's First City. And this will be the first topic that we'll be looking at in this podcast. Um, and we'll be looking at the story of Genesis, a uh, classic story of Cain and Abel, which is interesting about the Cain and Abel story. You know, it's in Christianity and Judaism, of course, but as a metaphor, as a story, even if people don't know all the, the details and all the aspects of it, but at least the story and the tragic, famous ending of it, it's, it's very known and very used in the secular world as well. So it's a very popular story that has grown far beyond just the faith of, of Christians and Jews. So it's very interesting to see how this has become very popular and how they're used as a metaphor for different things, these two brothers and how it ends up. But we're going to look at this, um, and I'm going to shed a little light on the perspective that I had growing up with this story, and then how my view or perspective or my learning on it changed as I studied it over time and later on in my adult life, and how that, how that made a difference for me and gave me understanding with it. So it'll be based off of Genesis chapter 4, the first few verses in there. Um, and I'm going to read the first few verses. We have a little bit of the context of it. And then we'll kind of dive in and see what's taking place there. Um, and just for some context as well, Adam and Eve, first people on earth. And then these are the first children that they have, Cain being the oldest, and then later Abel being born. But the first two children born in this way on earth. So in Genesis chapter 4, first five verses, I'll read them through here. So Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And that's verses 1 through 5. And what's interesting with this story and how I had this perspective growing up is that it's these two brothers, and they have these offerings that they bring to the Lord. And my perspective and what my understanding was in the past and was for most of my life is that there was something with, with Cain's offering that was unacceptable when he brought it. There was some aspect of pride and selfishness, uh, the work of his hands for what he had done as a farmer and bringing that, whereas Abel's offering was absent that somehow, that it more had more humility and it was appropriate in a way. And looking at that later on, I didn't quite understand the justification to that. So I want to present a new perspective based on scripture, of course, of what might be taking place here within the story, um, because often my understanding was, well, it's because Cain brought these fruits and he was supposed to bring a sheep. And Abel brought this sheep, which was the appropriate sacrifice, not crops. And that's why it was the difference. But there's a new perspective here. So that's what I had in mind. And just part of that, even before we dive into some additional verses to give some context to it, I thought, well, here's the farmer, and then here's the shepherd. And b both jobs require a work of your hands, require a human aspect and responsibilities to do but both the growing of the crops, both the development of the animals and the reproducing of the animals has a aspect of natural processes taking place. So something in my mind just said, it doesn't really make sense that Cain's was the work of his hands when it came to crops or farming. 
and Abel's wasn't the work of his hands because they both had efforts that they put in, but they were both subject to natural processes that were outside of their control. And if you know anything about farming, and I've certainly learned a lot from my in-laws who farm, that there's a lot within farming that you're, uh, you're accountable to the weather. And that is totally outside of your control. And it can destroy your crops, or it can be great for the development of them. But there's nothing that really, re that really the farmer can do about the crops that they're growing at all. So it just didn't make sense to me of Cain bringing that for the work of his hands, because there's so much out of his control that results in having those crops be fruitful. So that was just kind of on my own level when I started thinking about it. But then I recently started to have this context of it, of, okay, so here's the Genesis account. And knowing that many years later, it was Moses and the Jewish people called the Israelites, Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis and the account of this story. And in the time of Moses, he had received from God all the instructions and laws related to offerings and sacrifices, hundreds of laws to govern the Israelite people and the sacrifices that they did in the temple and the offerings and all those directions down to the T. So you have to understand that with this context, as he's writing this account, and I don't know if they shared it, read it out loud, others could read it at the time with the Israelites, but they have all this context of the offerings and sacrifices that they did daily, or that the priests did daily for the people, all these instructions from God. So you can see, looking through their perspective, that they would look upon this story, but they would have exact context on what these offerings mean and what the sacrifices were for and what the instructions were. Because if you just look at the Genesis account itself, you don't see any conversation from God to man explaining what kind of offerings to bring, what are the aspects of it, what's right and what's wrong. You just have the story unfolding. And you see the results that one of them was acceptable and one of them wasn't. So you have to know that there's more context to there that we have to look through interesting, very different generations. We have to look through the eyes of Moses and the people who wrote this and who had this and all that they were experiencing and known so that you can understand their view of the story and some of the pieces we may be missing at our time. So here's a few pieces for it. There's many throughout the Bible, the first five books of the Bible that we could go to, but just one, for example, is Leviticus 23, verse 10, which talks about the priests bringing the first fruits of the harvest as an offering to the Lord. And uh, specifically in Proverbs 3, verse 9, which is very interesting, it says, Honor God with all of your substance. It says to honor him with the first fruits of all of your increase, or some versions say all of your crops or all of your harvest. So I thought that was very interesting when you're looking through that context back into this story. They knew it was acceptable. They had some kind of direction from God on what type of offerings or sacrifices to bring, or they wouldn't have brought them in the first place. So when you apply those verses of honoring God with your first fruits, you see the system of honor that God has made, and it plays perfectly into the story with Cain and Abel. And it's interesting, a system of honor, because you think, okay, here's God who is our supplier of all things. He created all things, and we acknowledge that he supplies us and provides us with the things that we have. Why are we required to give something back to God? I thought, is there something that God is lacking that we could possibly provide for him? Of course not. If he gave us all things, what benefit is there for him or for us to give some of that back to him? What does that do? But it's this system of honor. And it's not that God needs any of the things that you have. 
It's that when you give that first and that best of what you've received, of all your increase, back to God, you are honoring him with that. Even though he supplied you with it all, you take that best bit. It factors into tithe and to other spiritual principles. But you take that aspect back and you give it back to God and it shows a system of honor. And what's really important is that in our relationship with God, it's very reciprocal. Giving to us, us giving to him what he's given to us, this reciprocating process and relationship back and forth, which there's many examples of that, but this is just one. And God does it for our benefit to reveal himself to us and his character to us, we can understand him more. So when you apply that to this story, look at a few key phrases here to see, okay, then if it wasn't that the crops were bad and he, Cain should have brought a sheep, then what exactly is the issue here? So in verse 3 it says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And that phrase right there is important, in the course of time or at the end of a period, some time passes, and then Cain brings the fruits. And I just use the term leftovers. He, there were, he to used the first and the best for something else, maybe himself. Maybe that's where the selfishness and the work of his own hands comes in, and he wanted the best for his own consumption, maybe. But in the course of time, or later on, he brings some of the leftovers to God as the offering, forsaking that system of honor that this whole process was in place for. But Cain, or sorry, but Abel, it says... It says he brought some of the firstborn of his flock. He's the shepherd, so he's naturally going to have the sheep and the flocks under his care. He's bringing the first and the best, the way that they're instructed. He's tapping into the system of honor and the spiritual principle for the relationship that we have with God that he's instructed us to follow. So this is why you see putting those verses together, understanding the aspect of honor in these offerings, you can see why favor from God found Abel and it passed Cain over. And this is really an important key or takeaway here. I want you to remember this phrase, if nothing else from this episode, is that God responds to honor with favor, or God rewards honor with favor. When we honor God, he's going to respond with favor to us. That principle is shown in this story. And, you know, we don't have the physical offerings and sacrifices like they did at that time. That was the system God had in place for them in this process of honor and the other purposes it was for. But for us, we have the privilege of being after the earthly ministry in the time that Jesus was here doing his work for us. So for us, when we come to God, we're always coming to God through Jesus. And Jesus is the one and only Son of God. He has that perfect relationship, that perfect status and position with God the Father. And so when we honor God through our relationship with Jesus, that's when favor comes to us. It's not like this process is still in place where you could go take an offering and receive favor from God apart from Jesus. No, it's, it's all done through him now spiritually, not, not physically with bringing things in that respect, but spiritually it's done that if we honor God through our relationship with Jesus, if they found favor back then, how much more favor is available to us through the one and only Son, Jesus Christ? And our practicality, or something we can put into practice right away, which is really a, a promise of the introduction of this podcast, is that what can we do to put this into practice now? And here's what it is. Your time, your money, your efforts, those things that are very valuable and necessary to our lives. Are we willing to make the decision, even each and every day, to take those things and to honor God with them through Jesus? Meaning, in the morning you give that time 
to Jesus. You give that time to God to study the word, to pray. You sacrifice money for the efforts of God in the church. You sacrifice time. You sacrifice energy and focus because it's so easy to get distracted in little things like that. Can we honor God through Jesus in those ways? Because there's unlimited favor through Jesus available to us. But we have that principle in this story that God most certainly will respond with favor when we show honor in the relationship through Jesus. So that is huge for us because we don't want favor to pass us over. I think of experiences in my own life or perspectives I used to have of maybe I wanted to be at a certain certain place in my life where I wouldn't even say achievements or things that I owe, but somewhere, you know, I want to be more mature, this, that, or the other. I want, to, I want my life to reflect some of the results and the promises of the Bible. And maybe I saw that in the life of other people. It probably sparked envy at times, and I would kind of rationalize it like, if that person is doing successful on that thing, and maybe I'm not, they probably had some opportunity I haven't seen yet. They have some advantage they were born with or were given to them that I haven't seen yet in my life. However I justified it, was really for a selfish or envious reason. But now when I'm trying to apply practically this lesson from the Cain and Abel story, I think maybe there's just aspects of favor that are not prevalent in my life for my relationship with God. And that's a result of me not honoring God through my relationship with Jesus, me not putting in the first and the best of all these areas of my life. And maybe favor is passing me by because I'm exercising dishonor instead of honor in not only spiritual things, but in all aspects of life towards God. So it really made me rethink, okay, especially with things like time, begin to put my time back into my relationship with God and receive this favor. Stop looking at others and justifying some coincidence or opportunity because what I used to call chance or circumstance or coincidence, some people call that Jesus. And here's a system through Jesus that we can receive this favor and don't have to rely on the variables or chances of the world. So... That is very interesting to keep in mind, and really at the core and the heart of the story. Don't fail to honor God with what you have and what he's provided for you, because he's made a system through that to not only provide for you, but to also give you favor when you handle it correctly according to his word. And again, as a result of this, in verse 5 of chapter 4 here in Genesis, Cain becomes very angry. His face becomes very downcast or deflated. He's very upset by it. Part of it could be that maybe he's envious that Abel's was accepted and his wasn't. I think of one perspective with this is I'm I'm the youngest in terms of my siblings, so I don't have the older sibling perspective, but I can imagine as someone being the younger sibling, looking up to my older siblings in my life growing up, I, I something new I thought about is maybe Cain as the eldest brother. He's really the first human born in that type of way also. He's carried on the responsibility of his father, Adam, of working the soil and Abel does something different. Maybe their whole lives up to this moment, Abel has looked up to Cain to set the example, the older brother, the firstborn, and now he's failed at that. So it just made me think maybe there's some aspect in the sibling uh, relationship or in the family unit where Cain is ashamed or disappointed in himself because he's supposed to set the example. And here he's failed and favor has passed him by. Um, but regardless of what was going through his mind, it's very clear that he was angry and his face was downcast. And this is really pivotal because as you go into the, the almost more better known parts of the story of Cain and Abel here, as we will, it's evident here that this moment or after this event with the offerings and with the sacrifices, Cain's life is never the same. Something shifts in his perspective 
and his behavior, his decisions are not the same anymore. And in the introduction, we talked about how God is involved in the complexities of our lives and that he's there in the good and bad times. And this certainly is a bad situation that turns worse. And we're going to look and see in part two of how God is very involved in this situation, even though it's going from bad to worse. And what his personal involvement is in the complexities, in the interactions with the people, and what takes place and unfolds. And we're going to see how God instructs and warns him here because you start to see a theme building with Cain also. Because if they did have some kind of instruction or uh, direction from God on what to offer, what to sacrifice, if they were the first ones to hear of the principle of bringing the first and the best to honor God and he'll respond with favor, Cain has not done that here. For whatever reason, whether willful or ignorance, for whatever reason, he has not brought the first and the best. And they were clearly instructed in some type of way to do so because Abel was able to do that, and he had it in mind to do that. So you see Cain's disregard or disobedience towards the word or instruction of God, and that theme will continue as he continues to make decisions now that his perspective has shifted, and now that he's acting in more anger and emotion as opposed to obedience. So we'll go to look what is the result of Cain after this. We'll also see God's involvement in the complexities, and we're going to build up and finish with the famous and well-known but tragic conclusion of the Cain and Abel story. And at that time, we're also going to see what all of this has to do with the world's first city. So thank you for listening. We will get into part two, and I hope you stay tuned for more.